Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. The last episode of the Human Technology Podcast was on the car HMI meeting and I recorded that one at my apartment in Berlin and I promise you um, this will be maybe one of the very few episodes where I do not use my normal setup with uh, my high-end microphone If you are listening to this episode and you find the sound a little poor, don't don't fiddle around with your equalizers or with your earphones, with your car radio, wherever you listen to this uh, podcast. I am at my apartment at Mallorca this week, and um, again, I'm not having my um, uh, well-designed podcast microphone with me. So I decided again to make this episode with the internal microphone of my laptop. This is why the sound will probably not be on the level that is normal in my uh, work, in my podcasts, my publications. Anyway, I hope you will have uh, some fun with this episode. You will get some insights I can trigger your thoughts a bit. Um, it is about uh, the role of the car beyond mobility. The primary role of a car is transporting people and goods from A to B. It is a piece of technology that has an engine, a combustion engine or an electric engine. It has a drivetrain, maybe a gearbox and an There at the very end of the drivetrain, there uh, are pieces of steel and rubber that have contact to the road, and there is a torque on this one. They rotate, and that's how they move this piece uh, of technology, this piece of uh, copper and steel and glass and forward. And this is meant to be... Um, Yeah, this, this is supposed to be the, the, supposed to be the main, main job a car, a vehicle is, is to do. We are all aware that this is not true. I mean, many of the mobility activists uh, would like to see it like this. And if we had cars like this that are meant to, to be transport means, uh, technologies to move people and goods from, from A to B, um, then they would look totally different from what we see today on our roads. And whether they like it or not, I mean... Um, What we see out there is definitely not something that is built only to move goods from, from A to B, but it plays different roles. It has different uh, 
meanings. It uh, creates other values than, than just that. And so the, the reality is cars are not only things to move goods and, and, and humans. There is something more in this. And if you look back into the history, the Heavens Triunfo um, is the first, let's say, implementation of uh, mobility on a stage that was in the theaters in Europe of uh, the 17th century. And they made enormous efforts to uh, create the idea of mobility, of autonomous mobility, of autonomous flying. So these Heavens Triunfos, they were objects that were flying over the stage, or they seemed to fly over the stage. And, and again, they, they made enormous efforts with different mechanics, with ropes, with poles, with whatever, to, to create this impression of an autonomously flying object. And the um, interesting thing here is, it was only gods in this vehicle. There were no humans. It was always gods sitting in the heavens triumphant. So the uh, autonomous mobility, the mobility itself, and being shown in a mobile device that was divine, that was not for normal humans, that was for the gods only. And it seems like this remains until today. Then a very constant idea connected to cars is the idea of freedom. Hardly any car brand, hardly any, any uh, car model that is not having a commercial where it drives along a beautiful coastline on an empty road through... Uh, mountains uh, through the Alps or any any other beautiful mountains or maybe a good-looking nice desert so and, and it is it's showing freedom you can drive its empty roads until the horizon and, and, and you can you can just use it I mean we are all aware that this is an idea and this is far away from reality when, when we again stand in, in a traffic jam and waste our time because there's too many other cars out there and, and we are not having the, um, yeah, the, the, this kind of freedom we are dreaming of while, while sitting in a car, but it is connected to it. And uh, it is uh, has always been, over a long time, a matter of self-representation, uh, of communication of uh, the ego, of showing yourself, of displaying yourself in public to, to others. A few months ago, I went in Berlin to an anthropological museum in, in Berlin-Dahlem, which is a part of Berlin, and there was a horse carriage out of, I think it was Sicily. And this horse carriage was covered, this was, I don't know, from 100 years, 150 years old, but not at all important. The important thing was this horse carriage was covered all over with paintings of flowers, of women, of children, of families, of mountains. So different things painted on that and everything was painted there. It's not only the sides, it was um, the, the axles, uh, it, it was the wheels. Uh, everything was covered with these beautiful paintings. And this is 
this shows that this horse carriage was used to display the ego of the owner, to display the self of the owner, to, to be different from others. And I mean, this was probably the grand-grandfather of all the stickers you have on cars, on uh, all these um, yeah family stickers that you have, all the messages that you have there, all the pictures and all the the stripes and, 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 and the, the pinstripes you have on, on vehicles. So everything that, that you know, you have this, 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 this optical, this visual update, uh, this uh, customization. And this seems to be pretty old. So even horse carriages that are 100 or more years old already have this. So they're talking here about the vehicle exterior, interior, and the HMI itself. All of them are influenced on... Uh, by by things that are not connected to mobility. So the outside of the car, it is modified, it's customized to send messages. The interior uh, is created uh, to give you something like a second home. Uh, the HMI gives you connectivity. And in this episode of the Human Technology Podcast, I have a closer look at three things that make the car exciting, different, and that go beyond mobility. The first one is the car as a protective capsule. We're talking about cocooning here. It is it, the car gives you the feeling of of being at home. It's your property. It's, it's yours. It's. Uh, I am owning my car. It's protecting you. It's a shell that is around you to keep all the nasty environment away from you to yeah, to, to protect you from what's going on in the world. And depending on, on the vehicle brand, between two-thirds and 40% of uh, all car owners see their car as a place of retreatment. So it's, it's cars like uh, brand, uh, brands, uh, owners of car brands like BMW, Audi, uh, two-thirds of them think it's a protecting capsule, it's a place where I can relax, it is, uh, yeah, it's, it's a retreatment uh, that I can get there. And uh, 40%, that's uh, brands like Hyundai, Kia, Peugeot, Citroën, Skoda, they are not as high, but still almost half of the owner believe or feel or know that their car is more than a mobility device and it is a place of relaxation and, and uh, re-energization. When you close your car, you get into the car, you, you close the door, and I mean, this is the sound, how doors are closing is designed by the brands. I mean, they're, they're sound designers that design the sound of a closing car door. And the environment stays outside. That, that's the feeling it's given you. you. You close the door of your car and the environment, all the nasty things, they stay outside. And you feel, I am protected. You create a me space, a me time, me activities. And all this feeling, I mean, today we still have the driver as, as uh, the person controlling the car. And 
we have the uh, the task, the main task of the driver is to drive the car or at least to control the car while it is driving. But when we get to, to level three automation, then the driver can pull out of the control loop and yeah, then, then you can get more and more into me activities, things that are for you. You can get, I don't know, a massage from your massage seat. You can listen to some noisy music. You can maybe do a meditation exercise. All under the idea that level three is still uh, possible so that you can return within seconds to the driving task. But all this is uh, will be possible in 15, 20 years from now. So we are having this me space, me time and me activities that are possible to be performed in this protective capsule. It's a feeling of security. And this is increased by, again, more, even more increased by, by the pandemic. We all learned how viruses, how bacteria spreads. And in one of the, the ways bacteria spreads is people standing beside me in a public transport, in a train or a bus, and coughing or leaving their body liquids somewhere. And I'm, I'm touching that and I'm breathing the air other people are breathing, other humans are breathing. And we learned that, that this is the way how viruses spread and Again, this raises the feeling of safety, of security when you are in your car, in your own car. It is protecting you and uh, you will not catch your virus because there is no one around you. The rest of the world is outside and um, yeah, it, it gives you the feeling of safety. The car is often called the third place. That is a marketing um, uh, marketing word, where marketing wording that is used. Um, I prefer to say the fourth place um, because there is a German marketing expert called Christian Mikuna, and he wrote a book about third places, and with that he means cafes, restaurants, Starbucks. and uh, I mean, the, the first place is your home. That is where you are. The second place is your office. That's the place where you work. And the third place is a place in between that is neither first place nor second place, but allows you to perform activities that are typical for the first place, the home, like relaxation, sleeping, entertainment, watching movies, listening to music, are things you do at the, at the second place, the office, just like words, communication, meetings. And so that, that is the third place. And I mean, everybody is using the term third place, the expression third place. So I'm using it as well, being aware that the car is the fourth place in reality. And the third place are, as I said, Starbucks and, and shopping malls and other public places where you can spend time. The car is also a location of digital cocooning. That will be the third point. So in this first parent point, I'm talking about the aspect of a protective capsule is more like a physical capsule. And the contrast to this one is public transport. You share the transportation room with others. They are around you. They may be pretty close to you. Uh, you flew down here to Mallorca with an aircraft and it, uh, you know, you're squeezed into this. 
and you have people that are shoulder by shoulder sitting with you. So that is public transport. You will not have this in your own car. Or like a bicycle when you drive through cities and uh, we're all aware it can be pretty dangerous and particularly in bigger cities. I mean, it's getting better in, in Europe. Um, there are cities that make uh, excellent efforts in making bicycle driving safer. But you are not having this protective capsule. This second aspect I would like to talk about is the car is used for self-expression. It's, it's communicating the person I want to be to the rest of the world. When I'm in a car, um, I'm being seen. I'm, I'm on a road and, and people can see me while I'm in the car. I'm, I'm noticed. And a lot of that is driven by vanity. I am driving this 100,000 euros, pounds, dollars car and it is mine. It is having uh, the, the, the wheels that I selected, the matte black, um, that transport a part of my personality. And am I beautiful? That is the question many people have in mind when they drive with their car. And you can take your car with you. You sit in it. And it, it's probably the most, it is the most expensive thing that you can carry around or that, that carries you around, that, that you can, that you are with in a public room and in different locations. And yeah, you are, you are seen in it. People can recognize you. And certain brands and certain models send messages. Uh, I said I'm, I'm here at Mallorca at the moment and uh, what is called the island car, the major car of the island, that is the Porsche Cayenne. It is a typical car, and I, I, I don't know any real statistics, but from my subjective uh, feeling, from, from what I see here on the street and, and, and anywhere else, I think the relative number of Porsche Cayennes here in Mallorca, particularly in the southwest, is higher than in most other locations on the globe. And part of this is we have a lot of rich people here. We have a lot of people that have more money than is good for them. They're driving around with this car and they want to show, hey, I can afford it. And that's pretty hard to top, but uh, I think even the number of Bentley Bentaygas is higher here in the southwest of Mallorca than in any other location. And I mean, they're driving around with this. Uh, they're driving up and down the the uh, road here in Puerto Andrach, where all the bars and, and the restaurants are, where the people are, and they show themselves. And in contrast... You have small cars, and they are new small cars. These are mostly the rental cars for tourists. And then you have the old, dented, rusty small cars, and they are mainly used by the, the locals, by, by the Mayakins. It is, of course, not 100% true, but I think you get the picture, that, that if you sit in a new small car here in Mallorca, everybody says, hey, tourist. You communicate the message to the outside, I am a tourist. And if you have this old, rusty, scratched car, and you drive around with this, you send the message, I don't care about cars, and I'm not one of these crazy Germans um, that uh, have, have a strong, super strong life focus on cars. I just don't care so much. And there are others. Uh, think about the difference a Mercedes S-Class sends versus a Mercedes G-Class. So the S-Class, high-end luxury limousine, 
protected, uh, protecting the driver, uh, protecting the passengers. And the Mercedes G-Class as a classy off-road car with enormous abilities and climbing. And yeah, you can see it, same brand, different models, totally different messages. Or even stronger, if you have a look at the Ford Fiesta versus a Ford Mustang. One is a practical, beautiful, small city car, and the other one is an icon of all muscle cars and sports cars out of the USA. The choice of your car and all the tuning measures that you do, that is heavily driven by your, the, the, the social class you're in and first of all by the desired perception that you want to create in others. This is base, the basis for what you select and all the trims, all the colors, all, all the shapes that you have, um, the spoilers, the, the wheels, the tires, um, yeah, all that is sending messages. And most people try to avoid sitting in an ugly car because there is a lot of vanity in that and they want to send the correct message to the environment. And you don't sit in the wrong brand of a car. When I was at Daimler, or at that time Daimler Chrysler in the late 90s, I conducted various t test drives and we had a comparative study. I think it was six cars we had and we invited six people uh, every every uh, turn and they were driving for 15 to 20 minutes with every car. And then they were answering a questionnaire afterwards, roughly the study design we had at that time. And there was one BMW in there, a competitive car, a benchmark car or whatever I want to call it. And there was one person saying, no, I won't drive with this BMW. I'm a Mercedes driver. I will not drive with a BMW. And I said to him, okay, come on, we, we need your opinion. I, I'm fully aware that, that you are a Mercedes driver, but, but this makes your answers particularly valuable for us if you give us an impression what you believe about the BMW. And he said, all right, I just hope that no one that knows me sees that I'm driving a BMW. And, I mean, just to tell you how, how strong this idea of self-expression with a car is. And it is even more extreme if you go to motorbike drivers. I mean, motorbike driving is, under many aspects, about vanity. You sit outside, you sit on something, and everybody is seeing you from your head down to your toes. Every detail of your clothing is visible to the public, and part of that is or that, that is that is what part of what's the fascination of uh, motorcycle driving is all about now, i'm wearing harley davidson branded jackets when i drive and hot t-shirts and so everybody can see yeah it's not only he's not only sitting on a harley he's not only riding a harley he's having also all this all this uh, clothing and, and helmets and and, and, and gloves uh, branded and so You, you, can, you can go to a Harley driver and ask him, hey, why, why don't you use one of these Japanese choppers with 500 cubic centimeters? They're, they're good as well. D don't, don't ever do this. Don't, don't ever, or if you do this, run. Run after you're saying that. Because, I mean, 
We motorbike drivers, we're extremely vain and extremely connected to our brands. Let's move on to the third aspect of what is a car beyond a mobility device. The car is a digital communication device. In the old times, and I mean until the late 90s, the car was an island of blessed non-connectivity. If you were in a car, um, everybody said, oh, he is in a car, you cannot catch him. Uh, you, you, can, you cannot give him a phone call because he's in a car or she's in a car. And that turned around totally. I mean, today you say, oh, he's in a car, I can give him a call. It's a good, good occasion to call him because he's in a car. So that turned around 180 degrees from you can't catch him or her while he or she is in a car to, hi, I should give her or him a call because she or he is in, in, in a car. That uh, the, the, This island of, of non-connectivity was over when the first hands-free devices came along. I mean, we had in-vehicle phones before. I remember in the late 80s, early 90s, there were car telephones. There was a CNET telephone, and they cost something like 15,000 German marks, dollars, pounds at that time. And a friend of mine had a copy, a non-functional copy, and that was 3,000 German marks at that time, which was about a monthly income of a, an engineer, a highly educated person. So remember, it, people paid that, and my friend paid that um, just to have the impression to have this, but it didn't work. But the let's say the, the widespread of uh, connectivity in cars came with the first Bluetooth connections when the first mobile phones were able uh, to connect with a head unit in a car using this Bluetooth standard so that you had a hands-free telephone in the car. Today, all cars, every car, uh, every new car, is part of the IoT, of the Internet of Things. Cars produce data, and they produce enormous amounts of data. They produce uh, yeah, a couple of terabytes per thousand kilometers, so it, it's enormous amounts. They process this data, they have data processing capabilities, and they distribute this data. They send it to outside instances. For example, location and speed are sent to traffic data collection services. Or the status of your brake pads and your motor oil is sent to the car maker. And they control that. And, and then you receive a call, hey, Peter, um, we found out your brake pads uh, will not last too long anymore. Um, uh, we have already reserved a, uh, a date at your at your workshop. Um, it will be next week then and then. Can you take this? Can you bring us the car? And so this is the kind of data connectivity, and these are today's use cases. This is uh, unforeseeable how it will go on, but it will grow. We will have a growing amount of this data production, processing, and distributing. And cars are consuming data. We have these over-the-air updates. 
meaning new software, new map data, new functions are sent down, maybe even new graphic designs for your for your infotainment systems, they are sent to the data, uh, to the car. But it's also things about traffic. And in the future, it will be about the cars around me. It will be about the road furniture, the next traffic light, uh, the speed limits that we have. So, so the car will consume it. We'll receive all this data from outside and we'll consume it. It will, will digest it and it will make the driving experience more positive and safer. Let's make one step backwards. We, we as humans, we are analog beings. And we cannot perceive, we cannot recognize or manipulate digital information per se. So digital information is stored, it's bits and bytes stored on slices of silicon. And with our natural senses, we cannot see this. So this information has to be analogized. And this is what HMIs, human-machine interfaces, do. They have on one side this digital data set, map data, music data, all digital things we cannot, we cannot perceive, we cannot recognize. And it translates it into data, into perceptible information. It translates it into the analog world we are living in. And it's the other way around. It translates our actions, our analog actions, our button presses, our voice, our gestures, our swipes on a, on a touchscreen into digital commands, into digital information. And so the HMI is the human machine interface, is the translator between the digital world on one side, which we cannot perceive with our natural senses, and the analog beings that we as humans are. When I discuss this role of, of the HMI with my clients, I very often use the model of a donut. It's a ring. It's a ring with an open space in the middle. So you have this ring. And in the middle of the middle of this hole, um, uh, of, of the hole of the donut, there is the user. That's us. That's the human. And this, is you, this user is interacting through an haptic HMI and visual HMI, an acoustic HMI, gesture HMIs, whatever, communicating with this donut. And this donut is then translating our actions, our analog actions, into digital information. That's one way this donut works. The other one is... It is translating, it is transforming, it's filtering, it is selecting information from the outside that we get to know about. Navigation, maneuvering, stabilizing. Yeah, it's all about safety, traffic, other traffic participants. It's about the road furniture, the charging fueling status. My car's tells, car tells me, hey, I need fresh fuel. Yeah, and and uh, the vehicle maintenance status. And, and those are the more analog ones. The digital ones are communication data, uh, digital information, the services, media, smart home devices, the smart infrastructure around me. All this is sending data to the car and the HMI is filtering that and offering it me in an amount in a way that I... Uh, I'm, I'm, I, that I can, can digest all this information and react properly. 
And why I'm talking why why am I talking about this? The thing is many car makers believe that this donut should be as thick as possible. It should be a real big donut and it should really filter information. It should adapt it to the user. It should protect and that's a digital protection I'm talking about. It should protect the user from a digital data overflow. It should protect the data user from, from, from everything or all the information that is coming from the outside. Or it should yeah, emphasize the right things. It should filter it in a way that it shows on a head-up display, an augmented reality head-up display, hey, there is a pedestrian crossing the road. You should take care of this. This is the role. And as I said, many, many uh, OEMs uh, I'm talking to uh, believe that this donut should be as thick as somehow possible. I have one project at the moment, uh, which is a, a sports car company. And it's typical for sports car. They said that it should be as thin as possible. We want the driver to be part of the car driving process as much as possible. We want the driver to be aware of the environment, to be aware of what's going on. We want the driver to be aware of the environment and everything on the digital and the analog side that is happening outside. And again, this makes the difference between different car brands. So this is the role of a car as a digital um, as a digital filter, as a digital capsule, as a digital cocooning device. And we're having, having conflicting scenarios here. Um, we have this, as I said, uh, the difference between protection and uh, permeability between the inside and the outside. And every car, so far at the end, is a compromise and the lines of compromise, where, where do I set the compromise? That creates a brand, that creates a car, and that creates the feeling, a user experience that you have with your car. All right. In this episode of the Human Technology Podcast, I talked about three roles that the car has beyond mobility. First, it is the protective capsule. It is protecting you from the nasty, from the bad, from the dangerous world outside. You close the door of a car, you're inside, you're in your personal place, in your personal space. So, uh, you have this room in there and uh, it is you, that you can be you. The second one goes into a totally different direction, uh, not really the opposite, but a different direction is about self-expression. You communicate to the rest of the world with the car you are in, who you are, um, what kind of person you are. Um, you can tune your car, you can put on foils, you can put on stickers and express yourself, make a, communicate your ego to, to the rest of the world. And the third role of the car I have analyzed is the role as a digital communication device. It helps you to understand digital information, to digest digital information, and uh, to yeah have, have this positive experience of understanding things that are not perceivable by humans by nature. If you like this podcast, do me the favor and recommend it in your network. 
The more listeners I have, the more this podcast is downloaded on the respective platforms, the higher I will be ranked and the, the even more people have the chance to get a bit of my knowledge, to get a bit of my inspiration and yeah, to learn a bit from me. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de. Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.